Welcome to the Foster City Chamber of Commerce, ChamberCast, our first ever podcast of the Chamber Cares Initiative Roundtable Discussions. Episode 7 was held on April 30th at 10 a.m. and was led by Vice Chair Joanne Bohegan. For more information regarding the Chamber Cares Initiative, resources, and support, please visit us on our website at www.fostercitychamber.com or follow us on your favorite social media sites. Enjoy. Good morning. There are only a couple of you that were not um, have have not been on our calls previously. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to go straight into just a few quick updates, and then I would rather us spend the time um, on this Chamber Cares Initiative Zoom call to understand where and how we can help you. Um, Some of you have been with us the entire time and others are popping in today for the first time. With that, I wanted to let you know um, a few things. Um, I can, um, on Monday, for most of you who have been ardently focused on um, identifying and applying to financial relief, there was more relief that had been opened, um, application process opened uh, with the PPP, as well as San Mateo County Strong. The San Mateo County Strong application process that opened on Monday was the portion of the fund, $1 million from Measure K funds, that had been allocated for small business grants. I believe some of you um, were planning to apply for those applications. We'd appreciate knowing if any of those applications were successfully submitted. Feel free to share any of the, the, the challenges. We know that, um, to to put it in perspective, there was $1 million of grant money available for all of San Mateo County at this juncture. The monies were being apportioned based on largely the same criteria that Measure K for transportation dollars had been apportioned, meaning that for the city of Foster City, the piece of the grant monies would likely be only about five or six businesses. So in in the first 45 minutes of the application process, they were inundated with about 10 times more applications than they were expecting. The county was anticipating that there would be approximately a thousand applications received for only the 100 grant, if you will, spots. That um, estimation was based on the learnings from um, Oakland. And to put it in perspective for San Mateo County, the for the portal opened at noon, it closed at four. So in four hour period of time, 2,500 and 30 applications were started on Monday, of which 659 applications were completed and submitted. And that left 1,871 unfinished applications 
and or potential duplicate attempts. In the four hour period, assuming all those applicants were eligible to qualify for that maximum $10,000 grant, many of you know it was not a $10,000 grant, but a grant up to $10,000. The current funding need just based on the applications was $25 million. So the scope um, and the veracity of the need is starting to become something that is exceptionally quantifiable. And the focus of San Mateo County Strong, our teams at SAMCETA, and the work that we've been doing with all of you to advocate um, and identify not just, if you will, general financial need, but the communities in particular that have not been able to take advantage of or perhaps have not had what um, those communities see as equitable distribution of that relief is obviously something that we are ardently working on um, with you every single day. So thank you for joining us and thank you for entrusting us to kind of be your voice and to champion it as we can. I feel like we are making some progress in some areas um, and for every step forward we take we find another opportunity that sometimes feels like we're taking a step back but nonetheless we then take that step back and then we just march forward again so we are definitely in this together um, the uh, uh, Salesforce uh, fund opened up on Monday as well PayPal um, seemingly was still taking PPP. I don't know how some of you are doing with your banks. I know that my own bank opened and closed in a matter of seconds, not even willing to accept the application, but I was able to submit at least the criteria and application through PayPal, and I've been hearing the same through Intuit. Um, so PayPal and Intuit continue to be systems that are um, built to be digital and to allow for their applicants to pull in their criteria. Um, we had a call on Tuesday morning, um, just because I see it, that there are a couple nonprofits that have joined us this morning that were not able to join us on Tuesday. We had a call with the nonprofits on Tuesday and, and um, the work that they are doing in the community um, is extraordinary. The chamber is going to be working um, to bring those efforts in on a project that we are working on for nonprofits under the guise of the Chamber Cares Initiative um, called Living Local, the Community at Work. And we will be starting a pilot tomorrow to see if it's something that we are a prototype or developing a prototype tomorrow, utilizing the Second Harvest Food Bank distribution in Foster City as kind of a benchmark so that we can um, understand the own art for ourselves, the actual cost to produce this program with Penn TV. So we'll be out on location tomorrow <laughs> if you happen to see us out and about, but we will be um, masked and gloved and following all of the appropriate protocols but tomorrow we will in fact be uh, doing what we can to capture the Second Harvest Food Bank and to use that as the prototype and pilot for that. 
what will, why am I mentioning that to you here? We are also planning on doing the same, but with a small business, we are here focus. And um, we are working on identifying how best to do that. Our intention is to start with the um, retail tenants and to build from there more information on that based on our success tomorrow with using the nonprofit kind of the the um, the shoot that we've got going on tomorrow um, the shelter in place orders I'm assuming again I don't want to assume anything so I'll touch on just some key points the uh, there will be new orders that go into effect Monday um, please take the time to look um, at those orders. I believe we have sent them out. Um, if not, they are available through our website on the SAMCETA jump link. Construction projects are going to be allowed to resume as long as the project complies with safety protocols um, that are included in the order. All real estate transactions will also now be able to resume but with continued restrictions on open houses and limitations on in-person viewings. Um, I know we have a couple realtors on the call today, so I want to make sure that we understand the services from the city of Foster City that will need to be open and available to you for you to transact your business so that we can ensure that the city manager and the city council has those processes open and in place. We understand that um, employees uh, al allowed to return to work at a facility are going to be able to access childcare programs that can operate. And certain outdoor businesses are also going to begin operating again. So um, people, can visit those businesses to perform the work or obtain goods, services, or supplies. So that would include wholesale and retail nurseries, the landscapers, gardeners, and other businesses that primarily provide outdoor services um, as set forth in the order. Other outdoor businesses, um, such as restaurants, cafes, bars, etc., they do not, they are not included in the order. Um, regardless, and I think I see a couple of our restaurant owners on the call as well, regardless of whether or not they have outdoor seating available. Um, I think that's the most concise way I can approach the shelter-in-place um, update for Monday. If you have not seen it already, because um, I'm not sure if we've had a chance to get it out, American Express has created a stand for small business. Eleanor had joined us um, late on our morning call, and I had to kind of cut her off to jump on another one. But um, she is with us today. Eleanor is part of um, the Lions International. But she was bringing to our attention the Stand for Small campaign. So I don't know, Eleanor, if you would like to kick us off with the Stand for Small 
with just a brief kind of PSA to everyone based on what you've learned so people don't have to listen to me talk the whole time. So just take yourself off mute. Okay, we'll do. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, and thank you for doing this. I mean, you, you're working very hard at this and so is everyone else that has been on these calls for quite a few days now. I have seen that. Um, the American Express grant is a very important grant for us and they are accepting uh, grants now. They will accept every grant that they can possibly get and if they can't fill it they're going to try to pass it out through other grant processes so that everything will get taken care of um, they are helping us help our hospitals it's uh, it's it's been good uh, it's been a little slower than i wanted uh, but i need everything fast of course because the hospitals do and that's the problem but they are willing participants and that is about as much as i can say you have the grant right is it going to be up there so you can pass it out to everyone yeah we will um we're actually it's as it is kind of coming in so quickly we have some um updates to push so we're packaging those up today and we'll be getting those out as quickly as we can but um, by all means, you can actually jump to it from our site and the link is on the samsita.org site now, but we'll create a communication so that you all have it as a referenceable um, piece of information. Um, thanks for that, Eleanor, I, I appreciate it. Um, one of the things that um, I also wanted to do, because I see a couple of the nonprofits here um, hi, Ray from the Lions in Foster City. It's great to have the Lions Foster City join us. I know we've been trying to get connect with you guys for a bit. Um, the um, one of the questions that you had for us was about the Gilead Cares Grantee Fund, and the Gilead Cares Grantee Fund is open. Um, notice the language of that. It is grantee. This is not for our small business. This is for nonprofits. This is a fund for nonprofits. Um, but because I see a couple of the nonprofits on the call this morning, I wanted to make sure we could address that. If um, any of your organizations have already previously engaged with Gilead, please just reach back out to your contacts. If you do not recall who your contacts were, I know in a prior incarnation, in a prior role, I've worked with several of you in that regard. Um, either shoot me a, a note in chat or feel free to reach out to me, uh, send me an email, and I will reintroduce you directly to the um, contacts within Gilead so that you can have those conversations accordingly, okay? The focus of the grant from Gilead for the nonprofit is very much expressly focused on COVID-19 impact. So what this is not the open annual grant process. This is a $20 million fund globally that had been established for the express purpose of offsetting and working with our nonprofits um, in response to COVID-19. So it is not an unlimited fund. If this is something you believe that you are eligible to apply for, do reach out, do understand if you are, as the funds I'm sure will be depleted you know, quickly like many others, okay? 
Um, Visa has a small business fund that has been instituted, a $210 million fund. I don't know if any of you have spent some time learning more about the details of that, but we have a call scheduled to, um, to see if there are ways in which our foster city businesses may be able to, and when I use business in this capacity, um, our entities, I will call it, um, may be able to leverage this fund in any way. More information to follow, you know, as we learn it. Um, Dan, Mara, please chime in if I'm forgetting any of the key updates that we absolutely wanted to, to share. Um, if I have not, then we will move to the open Q&A. And I am going to start back again with Eleanor and um, with Supatra, who joined us this morning. So I'm going to pause. Are there any more updates that we need to push? Any specific questions um, from, the, from the group here today um, that we need to make sure that we're answering? Otherwise, I'm going to be somewhat um, choosy based on who was on the call to the topics that I think might be germane to start the discussions with you all, if, if that would work for you. Just a reminder, Joanne, that we are recording this session, so we, we have been working to make sure these replays are available after via our YouTube channel on our website. So. Great, great. Thank you. But I wanted to, uh, Eleanor, if you would um, share with everyone very briefly um, who you're representing and the work that you're doing, predominantly um, because A, education, but B, this morning, I think one of the places I'm going to want to connect you after this call is with Supatra, who is a UC Berkeley professor and a sole proprietor that has just uh, really is a translator who's taken an ardent interest in being an advocate for the caretakers in our nursing homes, which really are not being, um, have not been classified, I guess is the appropriate way as of yet as essential workers. And her concerns about ensuring that we have the ability to advocate for them, as well as do what we can to get PPE and, and testing, as well as potentially nutrition um, to these workers, as it's one of the entities that has the highest um, um, uh, fatality yes. if you will um in it fatality. and so i think i think it would be a great education eleanor just for everyone because i don't think these businesses have learned and the reason i would like eleanor to share this with all of our small businesses that think of themselves as commercial enterprises many of you have services whether it's health and wellness whether it um, is, um, you know, uh, whether it's you know, fitness, whether it's nutrition, whether it is any other service, there might also be ways to, to lend that to this expertise. Eleanor? Very good. Thank you uh, again. Um, first of all, we are the Special Interest Lions Club, which means that we're a, a Lions Club that does a specialty, and our specialty is uh, medical, uh, and educational, which includes food, exercise, all of that, nutrition. We work in the schools, we work in the uh, churches, we work in the, and we have our own 
uh, clinic that operates three times a week that we're going to merge with Samaritan House. Uh, it looks like they're interested in doing that, so we're going to do that. But in what we are currently doing is a great deal of supplying all PPE that we need to to hospitals. And right now, some of those hospitals that we're supplying are resupplying when they can to the shelters. So we are now, um, I, I'm in the process with our global initiative for health and wellness. We are actually sending uh, product to hospitals just for um, our nursing homes. And right now they're asking me for testing kits. Uh, as you know, 25, uh, as I mentioned before, 25 kits are uh, costing us $225, right? So they want 100 kits each. Each of these hospitals uh, want those kits for their own sake and for uh, the um, little homes that they are trying to help because they don't they want to try to stem this problem uh, from those people having to come to their hospital, whether they are the caretakers or they are people that live there. So they want, uh, they want to give them as much help as possible. So we're trying to help them help the shelters and, and not just the shelters, but the nursing homes. So we're doing that. And, and that is far and beyond what we usually do. So we're not necessarily funded for that, but we're writing, we're trying to write grants to do that. But small businesses can couple with us and help us. Small donations for this uh, problem uh, solving is a great idea. We don't necessarily accept funds, but if they want to pay an invoice for a product that will go out to a hospital, for instance, the testing kits, the masks, or whatever, they can do that. Uh, because we all we do and all we are is a conduit for sending all of this equipment uh, out. And that's how we've always operated, whether it's been from our regular funders, who are the WHO and the uh, Dr. Oz Foundation, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we have a lot of foundations that help us. But they're, they were not prepared for this. COVID-19, they were helping us to distribute health and wellness around the world, and especially to this community in the recent uh, four years. Eleanor, thank, thanks for that. Much appreciated. Um, Supatra, um, I think after this call, Eleanor is definitely going to be one of the first people that I put you in touch with to understand how what you were looking to champion, how you can be a party to it with her. Um, and I think that's best served offline unless there's some questions right now that you feel that we need to address here. Thank you. Thank uh, you. So thank you. you. Uh, just one thing that I want to correct uh, real quickly here is that uh, actually the nursing home worker that you say has not been classified as a central worker. They have never been declassified actually. So all the time that the doctors and nurses are in the front line in the hospital, the nurses are in the front line in the nursing homes all along without attention, much attention 
hands from public and in very dangerous situation without any PPE. So um, I would work, I would love to talk to Eleanor about it. And my, my focus, uh, as Eleanor is saying, you, you're a conduit to the hospital and then the hospital down to the shelter and then the shelter down to the nursing home. My focus would be putting, at, at least for what I'm most interested in is put nursing home as the first priority for the funding or any PPE that comes in through um, hopefully this project. Great. Great. But, but if I may just say that the PPE that is standard PPE that is necessary to really protect them uh, isn't something that the nursing homes can get easily. And that's, that's why, yeah, that's why the hospitals who can get this more easily uh, are ordering um, more of it so that they can pass it on because they can't get it. Yeah, they cannot yeah. get the good stuff. It's not going to them. Even the suppliers will not supply the nursing homes with the proper gear. This is too bad, but it is the way it is. That's why we have these two hospitals that are so willing to do this. I'm so proud yes. of it. Yes. So, so what we'll do is we'll talk more say, about yeah, we'll talk you. more about this one offline. But Eleanor, um, we spoke with one of um, our major employers, who um, actually Tesla, um, to see if there is an opportunity. And so, I'll need help in scoping what the potential opportunity is. I have no idea right now. Obviously, they're creating things. Um, you know you know, retooling their own manufacturing and whatnot. I don't know if the county has a formal relationship with them, but we do have one of their, um, one of our newest board directors is from Tesla. And we have spoken with him uh, about identifying potentially how we might be able to scope and help champion to try to get some locally. I have no idea if that's an option, but we're willing to make the ask and he's willing to make the ask with us. So we can talk about that offline. Ray, I'm going to pick on you for a quick second because we've been wanting to learn and you'll have to take yourself off mute. Um, now you're off mute. <laughs> we've been wanting to learn more about the Friends of the Frontline program. And um, originally we had thought that that was kind of limited to Foster City and we're seeing, you know, a variety of posts. Can you help us understand that program a little bit more? I'm, or, afraid, um, I'm afraid I don't have enough information to put it out. Okay. Uh, I'm a participant, of course, uh, and our club is uh, kind of spearheading this. Uh, I can only tell you that we're raising funds and we're sending out food to pretty much anybody that we can uh, that we can help. Yeah, uh, but I, really, the, the nuts and bolts of the operation—that's more of a Sheikah thing than uh, than myself. So I can't really give you much information on that. Yeah, no worries. Um, um, please let Sheikah know that the call this morning provided um, a lot of um, new information and I think opportunities to collaborate with some of the other clubs that are, you know, um, starting to want to provide the same services. So the village um, and um, uh, in particular is looking to, you know, collect monies to purchase money, to purchase, you know, meals from restaurants to deliver. And um, each of the various entities are 
finding that you some have more willing, you know, drivers than not. So I think that there are some collaborations here to be able to leverage um, and we'll do our best to put that together as um, the chamber is, you know, somewhat in the middle of a lot of these things, but we haven't been made a part of the program, you know, formally in any way. Um, and I think that there are some ways to connect the dots better. So thanks for joining us this morning. I'll, uh, I thank you for the invitation. This is, this is my first time on, on this call, but uh, I expect I will be doing a lot more of that. So please uh, include me as much as you can on what's going on and what can we do to help. Uh, hey, we're here. That's exactly it, and we appreciate you being here so that we know that we can come to you. Um, let's make this, um, if we can, switch gears a little bit. It's been um, quite the nonprofit conversation. Um, can we hear, you know, is there anything that we can do for um, Dozo? Um, maybe, Carol, you can take yourself off mute, and it looks like you have some questions. Um, I'm sure your experience might be shared from the others. Uh, yes, uh, I uh, have not been successful in applying PVP up to now. I applied with Volkswagen and US Bank, you know, from day one, you know, when the first one was available. And at, at this point, US Bank uh, emailed us that our application is with SBA, and that's the email. You know, and then they they said there's no, they don't want to communicate further with any of their branch or the relationship manager at this point. So when they fail us on the first round, I went ahead and applied with the PPP, uh, the PPP with the PayPal, QuickBook, Lendio, and actually five, you know, total five other uh, fintech you know, company. And so far, I I have not heard anything positive as of yet. And so I just wondered to see if anybody in Fossil City that actually obtained the PPP approval uh, successfully, uh, you know, in any smaller, uh, you know, credit union or bank or, or any or, or any successful experience with with any of the fintech um, company, uh, Intuit or PayPal at this point. Um, I will ask if. Um any of the other businesses want to share? Um, if so, take yourself off mute, please. Um, what I can share with you at this point is that um, I did a quick little roundabout yesterday, and um, I, I actually only know of one business that received confirmation of their idle loan. The other businesses um, that had been um, pretty aggressive, I'd say, along and diligent, um, in their efforts of applying to everything very early on and, you know, really being on top of things. They told me that they have not gotten approvals, but that they also have not gotten denied, um, but they have been getting asked for more information. So um, I suppose in some respects, Carol, if you have not been denied, um, it might you know, at least be a somewhat positive statement. I see Colleen, um, you've taken yourself off mute. Okay, so I wanted to share that um, we have only one half-time employee. So our uh, payroll is not very high, uh, but we applied pretty quickly with Boston Private and that's who we bank with and were approved last week. So, um, 
I would encourage you to reach out to them. What I'm finding, I'm also part of the Bay Area Education Foundations group, and this has been a thread that's, there's been a lot of back and forth, and most people are finding success with smaller lenders, smaller local lenders. So, um, Carol, I'll send you the name of the contact um, when I get it back from my treasurer. Um, I've already sent her a text asking, but um, that that has been the experience across the peninsula with our education foundations is it's been the smaller um, financial institutions who've been more receptive. And it still takes a while and there's not a lot of um, back and forth. It's just like magically one day you hear from one of them and um, many of them have uh, applied to more than one. Thanks for that. That that feedback is consistent, I think, with what um, virtually we've heard for the last five weeks. Um, and we had sent out, my goodness, I, um, about two weeks ago, um, just a quick 30-day check-in. Um, you're going to be getting an update on a 40-day check-in that's very much going to be asking you um, questions about your PPP and your financial relief applications. Um, our intention is to then take the data from the responses and turn that into um, the messages that we communicate, not just to our city council, but to um, our county and legislators. Uh, Rika, if you can take yourself off mute. Um, I just wanted to add, we applied for the SBA loan within two days of them announcing it, and we didn't get any um, correspondence or anything. And yesterday I logged into our business account and there was $3,000 from the EIDL. So, I mean, it took, it was back in March and we just got it in a couple days. And we did apply for PPP through our bank, which is Capital One, nightmare. Um, the first time we went, it crashed. The second time there was another issue and they ran out of funds and then they reissued it again and are, we're just hanging in the balance. So we have no idea. Okay. But we yeah. were pleasantly surprised. And then we got a stimulus check, which I, I don't think we deserve that stimulus check because we made too much money based on the criteria. So we tried to call them and say, can we give it back to you? And they were like, nope, you got to hold on to it. So uh, we did get that. Well, so based on, so here's a, here's a great thing. And maybe there's a campaign around this. You, um, for those of you that don't know, Rika's also on our board of directors, but she is one of our local real estate professionals. Um, maybe there is um, a campaign for foster city families who receive stimulus checks to put them back into the community if there is interest. And we line it up with the needs that are being identified to pay for PPP or PPE, all these letters for the PPE or some other things. And so maybe that's something, Rika, for you to think about. Um, there might be, you know, it might not yield a lot and maybe it's just a one-to-one, -one. but if we think that there might be more interest in it over time, perhaps programmatically we create something, but if not, I think we certainly know that there is need and we can connect your, you and your family with organizations that I think would really welcome that. So yeah. we can talk offline about that. That's something of interest. I, I see heads are nodding. I think the concern too is um, the government doesn't know what they're going to do. If they're going to ask for it back, if we're going to get tax on it. So there's a lot of ambiguity around the funds that were given that didn't qualify, if you will. <laughs> Well, let's stay on top of that and maybe that'll be one that you can watch. How's that? 
Perfect. Um, let's see. Um, Matthew, um, I believe you are the dance studio and I think we keep missing you. So if you would like the opportunity to kind of share what's been going on with your business and um, the efforts that you've made and where we maybe help us help help us understand where we can help you, that would be great. Or you can stay quiet. <laughs> uh, Danny and Teresa also have their hand up for a question or comment. Okay. Then let's go to Danny and Teresa. And then uh, Matt, if you do want to chat, um, just let us know. So Danny and Teresa, if you can take yourself off mute. Morning. Hi. 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 We just had a comment about the SBA. Um, we also um, had a deposit in our account, which was great. But um, we learned something today that it goes by the number of employees that you have, the disaster uh, loan. It seems that um, so they um, only count us as having one employee since we have independent contractors and we're um, uh, we own the business together. So only one of us counts as an employee. So we got a thousand dollars. So we just wanted to share that. I think that's kind of how they're doing it. Yikes. Okay. Um, now, do you still have other applications in process as well? Or, and I, I guess, I'm, yes, I guess it, it raises a question then. So I know that there's like a level of the 10, right? Which was the potentially forgivable amount. I the max, yeah, that you can get, it says for your business. And I guess that would be if you have at least 10 employees. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just wondering, I guess it just, it's probably, probably answering my own question, but I'm just I think, wondering. I think, like, I think they, they ran out of money, Joanne. I think that's what happened. It was originally 10,000 and so many people applied. They changed it to per employee. Okay. My understanding. Yeah. 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 Something happened. Yeah. So it, just for everybody's information, that's kind of how they're working it. <laughs> no, I they mean. Answered. They answered. Yeah. At least we got something, but you know, we, we were hoping for a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure the one thousand dollars covers the number of hours. Um, no, <laughs> no, and you and you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so please, oh, yeah, yeah. I um, please, you know, I, I hope. Um, I hope you plan on you know continuing to join us because we're certainly not done. Um, we want to understand where our businesses' needs are. Obviously, we're doing our best to be connectors um, within the region, but you know there is a lot of work that needs to be done here. And the more data and the more priority that we can identify and really push to our city council and city manager, um, the more success I think that we will be able to have. So. Um, we'll get that kind of 40-day back out to everyone. Um, Rika? I was just curious, do we know how many Foster City uh, businesses were able to get the grant from the city of Foster City? To the best of my knowledge, uh, they had received in that day um, and the days following um, just shy of 100 applications. Um, and I think it probably would have been increasing had they not communicated that they had received, you know, more applications than not. Um, it's my hope that on Monday night they will, I haven't had a chance to look at the city council meeting agenda as of yet. Um, but I would imagine that there will be a level of update as to the distribution, 
of the proceeds for the benefit of all, um, you know, um, the, the work here that has been, um, the inputs that have been provided through the Chamber Cares Initiative and through the championing of uh, Council Member Hindi and Vice Mayor Gihani, a couple weeks back, the City Council had approved um, grant, uh, a, a fund, a small business resiliency grant fund um, with a $10,000 grant eligible for 50 businesses. And that was, as you can imagine, um, taken up quickly. And I'm hoping, I think I'm looking at everyone on the call, um, most uh, everyone had applied. There was a, a certain set of eligibility um, or criteria that was created um, for eligibility. And it was not an either or, it was an and. And if all of the criteria was met, then your eligibility was confirmed. And depending on first come, first serve, um, then the grants were awarded. So the $500,000 has been awarded, as well as the additional monies that had been set aside. I believe that there was $5,000 that had been brought into that same um, relief conversation of council for the village. Um, the calls that we have been holding with the nonprofits and the conversations I've been having with the um, acting city manager have been um, focused on accelerating the city council's um, nonprofit process so that relief that normally um, is provided to our nonprofits in their annual charitable contributions that happens at the end of May, early June, that that process be accelerated um, so that monies can be put into the organization's hands for the very purposes that we've been learning about this morning so that you have the budget needed to be able to do the work that you're doing. I have not received confirmation of that myself here at the chamber, but I have learned from um, Dan Demers wearing his Hillbarn Theater hat as a nonprofit and a couple of the other organizations that you have been in receipt of communications from the city, Dan. Do you, are you, can you share some yeah. Um, so uh, a while back, about a month and a half ago, uh, Vanessa from the city released the um, annual form that usually nonprofits need to fill out in order to become eligible and um, go in front of the council to request funding for the nonprofits. Um, due to COVID-19, the email was sent um, out to everybody in a receipt of um, acknowledgement of receipt. Um, had to be sent, and then the form was issued from Vanessa so for submission tomorrow by 5. So if you have not received that form, I would encourage you to reach out to Vanessa. I can pull up her name here. And, Vanessa Brannon. I think it's also on the city's website. It could oh. be on the city's website as well. Just as a reminder, that form is due tomorrow by 5 p.m., um, but you can go on the city's website and find that. I'm sure Mara's looking for it right now since I'm talking. <laughs> but um, and, and I'm going to yes, I'm I'll put it in the chat. And I'm going to take that as a positive sign because if the meeting is Monday night and they'd like to have some data in their hands, um, please give it to them <laughs> um, because our hope. 
Um, and the focus over the last couple of weeks, in addition to maintaining how we carry forward with our businesses, is really understanding the needs of two additional segments in our community, perhaps three. Um, when we look at seniors, the infirm, and our youth. And I think we still have Colleen um, from the school district um, and the Education Foundation. We've been working with them to close the digital divide, um, if you will, um, kind of the inequity in education amongst our school district for our kids that are needing to now move to um, you know, distance and online learning. And we've been working and doing what we can with the district uh, to help them as it relates to the needs for nutrition in our youth. So I think learning that and working with Eleanor, and I'm looking at all of you, I don't wanna repeat myself, but working with each of you because you've been sharing us the work that you've been doing, it's helped us be able to articulate how we can advocate to the city the, the additional, not the new and forget the old, but the additional segments of our populations that we need their help with. And I believe that Monday night there very well might be more conversation about the types of programs that would be focused on youth and on our seniors. Um, and so I'd encourage you to take a look at the agenda. There may or may not be anything expressly stated you know, on the topic, but when you see the COVID-19 as an agenda item, I would imagine that they are taking it based on the priorities and needs as they are learning them, so. Um, United, um, United Studios has a question in chat, um, and you guys can feel free to take yourself off mute if you'd like. Um, but they had asked if anybody has been receiving relief from leasing companies. Hi guys, it's nice to see you. Um, I, I like the literal green screen behind you. <laughs> new uh, mobile or home dojo uh, we're currently supporting almost 100 uh, students through zoom and uh, uh, I mean we're lucky we had a room in our house that could convert very quickly um, if I could show you the rest of it it'd be the worst DIY thing you've ever seen but uh, you know we were able to get it up quickly and with us you know we have to take what everybody's doing in a square and expand it to somebody that's full full length so we can support them in their practice. So yeah, uh, yeah it's been going pretty well. Uh, we were getting some relief from uh, ROIC. You know, we're in Marlin Cove and you know RIC is a uh, you know publicly traded company with hundreds of centers all over the northeastern or northwestern uh, part of the country. Uh, but it's pretty limited. And I just wondered if anybody else that has a storefront was receiving relief in that way and to potentially raise the idea that uh, they might need a little help with uh, uh, understanding the severity of the shutdown. You know, a lot of our income is also based on enrollment of new students, and you know, we saw a fall off in that in mid-February uh, as this thing unraveled. So, uh, you know, we're supporting our existing student base, and again, waiting for what's going on with the lifting of orders has sort of prevented us from from establishing a new online enrollment. The online training is going surprisingly well. Uh, we need to educate our uh, students about how to use Zoom on their side for polling because, you know, sometimes we get this. Okay, I'm ready for my lesson, right? <laughs> so we have to show them how to, uh, you know, not to backlight and all that kind of stuff. But I digress. I just wondered about... No, I, 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 
actually you're not because everything you just said, my brain's on fire and you, we haven't spoken in quite some time, uh, but I've just gotten six new program ideas from what you've just said. Oh, yeah. um, and some of them, I see people laughing who know that that's exactly what's been happening. Look, look, look at the shaking of the heads. Um, if we could see, did we lose Dr. Rachel? I know she had been on. Um, so let me share with you some of the things we've learned. Um, let me take your questions in order. And I'll apologize if I bounce around a bit. Uh, it's just how my brain processed everything you just said. Yeah, you're um, sorry. Okay, so... In context to what we've come to know, just to give you a point of reference, I'm smiling because one of the things that we have been championing and learning over the course of the now how many weeks we've been doing this um, is that um, not every one of the tenants in each of the centers um, I think a lot of the businesses um, had thought that this might be, you know, kind of hyper temporary. Um, and then some of them realized mm, it might be impacting my ability for my next month. And those individuals started joining us early on. And uh, whether it be one on one or in these uh, Zoom calls and learning from each other as well. Um, what we started seeing is the businesses in each of the centers starting to communicate with us because they shared experiences. And so this call had actually been um, originally established predominantly because there were 14 businesses at Edgewater and the conversation in the 8 a.m. call was taking on a very specific Edgewater retail tenant experience. And so each time we learn from you, we create a new forum on a different day for a different discussion. So um, what we had encouraged was for each of the tenants to do their own outreach, to reach out to their own management and to see what it was that they could do on their own. We found that of the centers in the city, that certain of the center management and owner were more accommodating than others. You've just confirmed that ROIC, at least to you, might be the most accommodating. Um, and what we now have is a situation where a few weeks back, we wanted to ensure um, championing a commercial um, uh, moratorium, a moratorium on commercial evictions, because we were not sure if all of the retail and tenants were going to be getting the level of support they need. Um, what we learned has also been that what started out as the tenants in a center wanting to come together to operate more as a coalition has slowly but surely um, kind of eroded from that because depending on when their lease, how long they've had their lease, the pricing and terms in their lease, um, the size of their space, et cetera, that the management companies are making different accommodations with them. And when they start talking with each other, what they're learning is that um, they might be concerned that if they move forward as a group, and if you will, if the same level of um, accommodations are made to all, 
that they may end up losing some accommodations that have already been made. So what we're seeing right now, Jason, is a trend that they would like our help one-on-one -on -one to explore areas. And so we've been working, I have, you see a blank sheet, um, a redacted copy of a lease from certain of the centers okay. to be able to review and understand if there are any clauses. I'm looking at David, who had offered to help with this last week, who I couldn't ask for his help because I didn't have it till this morning, and now I do, so that we can review a lease and see if there are any sort of clauses that may allow for a Q&A to be developed for the tenants to make sure that they are asking those questions or exploring those opportunities. The flip side is that the city council has said um, when we made this ask on the night that the small business relief fund was being discussed, um, if you've not seen the comments that were made by the board of directors for the chamber and our business leadership council, those are a matter of record. But in that evening, we had asked for them to make a consideration about commercial um, eviction moratorium. And at that time, there was not um, a lot of support. It's a complex issue, et cetera. Um, and we can kind of uh, just leave it at that. Um, it is my hope that based on some of the changes and learnings that um, have been taking place, Board of Supervisors, County, and I'm gonna ask David to take himself off mute to give us kind of an update um, as it, from the kind of the real estate industry profession, but it would not be surprising to me if this discussion is brought back up again on Monday as it continues to be something um, that needs to be championed in large part um, because the relief that was supposed to be relief to accommodate this and offset it is not getting into your hands. Right. And we need to make sure that um, we can work together to stabilize and maintain our tenants as one of the primary concerns is that the potential of this is um, you know, that we want to ensure that we are not blighting our centers of commerce. I have a couple quick comments for you, just because uh, I know you're going to go to me on Monday. Uh, you know, if, if the city had a, a, a commercial real estate agent as sort of a czar to be a point of contact and work directly with uh, leasing companies, that would probably be a, a, a decent first step, just my opinion. Secondly, the, the, the enforcement would be just a, even an informal letter stating that the city of Foster City will not be granting any new business licensing to COVID-19 COVID, uh, 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 tenant victims for two years. So here's- if, if the tenant notifies the city that they're being evicted because of COVID-19, uh, or because of, you know, because they can't pay since a certain date, not pre-existing or anything else, but just because of during the, the moratorium where they can't be, uh, just let them, that's the, 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 dis the disincentive for leasing companies to not work with the tenant. And then the czar or the commercial leasing guy could renegotiate the lease that would, which, you know, that makes it equitable to them. They don't go through a hard restart with the commercial space being open from a vacancy and the economy can rebound out. 
So I appreciate every comment you're making because it's literally confirmation of what we, the steps that we've been taking. And the reason I just pointed to David is, um, let's just say it's not necessarily the city, it's going to be your chamber of commerce who's been doing this. And what we have, that's why we've been agreeing to do what we can to review the tenant leases and understand and kind of what we've been trying to identify, and I think that this is the flip side of the programmatic end that some of your comments earlier were providing to me. What we're looking for are some chamber champions right now um, to um, basically take the lead in different areas. So there were um, individuals who wanted to be the ones to push our social media. We're gonna be formalizing that because I'm sure you've all noticed, and if you're not noticing, you must not be on our channels the social media and the information that's coming from the chamber in the last eight weeks. We're looking to have champions that take each of that and push it into each of the digital channels. What we've now moved to is looking to find, if you will, I didn't think of you, David, as a czar, but I'm gonna think of you as a czar. Um, we've been looking to identify, um, I call them assets, um, for us to use in every pillar. I'm looking at you, Jason, um, and right now, I see you to be able to do Zoom education, highlight, spotlight, how to use. We can do it with seniors, with youth, et cetera. What you're building for your gym and your own members can be used elsewhere. So think about in your marketing expertise and whatnot, there's an opportunity here for you. I know that there's a lot on your plate as an individual business, but that's kind of what we're all experiencing. Um, to find ways to kind of keep us sane. David, if you would, um, you know, can you share with us kind of the current thinking, um, as you may understand it, I know I'm putting you on the spot, um, from the moratoriums and, uh, related to commercial and some of the primary challenges that have kind of prohibited cities in particular, not just ours, but cities in particular, um, from getting um, kind of involved in this process. So my understanding is certainly on uh, residential properties, there's a moratorium on foreclosures, evictions, um, all of that through the end of May. Um, I don't know for certain that that doesn't include commercial property. I would not be surprised if it did not include that, um, which, it may be a help, maybe not just from a, a sanity point of view that, you know, you don't have that. I know they're not pushing forward with evictions. They're not even looking at them right now in the courts. So, um, you know, I, I think that's kind of on the back burner. As far as the czar, what I would suggest is going back to maybe the leasing agent that helped you with the property. They have that established relationship with, um, the property management company, um, maybe that's your your in with helping to negotiate. There's a couple other uh, things that could be negotiated aside from just putting the rent on the backside. If you know, in your case, if that 25% uh, is is still a struggle, just from a negotiating standpoint, is maybe eating away at your security deposit as as a relief and discounting that um, to uh, offset 
in the meantime until potentially that's all gone. If they don't want to help anymore, and uh, it, that's what I'm doing on, on my side is just trying to be creative with coming up to solutions to help weather the storm and get through uh, until you get back on board. Um, as far as the cities go, it's it's hard with the commercial properties because most of them are huge corporations that are based somewhere in Ohio or or someplace like that, and they're all just looking at the bottom line. Um, and that part of it is, as you're finding out a challenge, huge challenge to try to get them to work with you because it's all it's all a numbers game. You know, it's not affecting them because it's still coming in and. Um, so that's a challenge. Um, to kind of put a rainbow on this from from the residential side, uh, April I had only about three, three and a half percent of my tenants say that they would not be able to pay full rent. I was expecting this month to be huge. It only went up to about five or six percent asking for deduction. So kind of what that is telling me at least on the residential side is people are figuring it out and and how to make things work so as things are easing a little bit monday i know people in the trades are going to get to start to go back to work for those that weren't uh, i'm kind of being hopeful and and want to have the glass half full that we're going to start to see things. I my gardener couldn't work. He's, he's told me yesterday uh, morning, I'm going back to work next week. I see gardeners out, you know, they're not obeying and all that. So I sent him the, the link that you can officially go back to work. Don't worry about putting your head in the sand and trying to dodge the cops or whatever his method was going to be. Um, but I don't know. It's again, half glass full. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, Jason, just quickly back to you, and then I want to um, tap on a couple of other folks. Um, the, the interesting thing in, in talking with the different businesses is um, there seems to, everyone has a, has a, a different priority in their need. Um, and um, the most creative package that I actually heard was a business in the East Bay. Um, and that business in the East Bay had actually shared it with one of our local businesses, um, and it happened to be at Edgewater. And it was really about, you know, identifying all of the fees that they normally collect because they shared with me their invoice. And there's still marketing and there's common area, and you're like, look, these fees, thanks for your 20% discount, but this isn't a discount because you're not expending these fees. So some of it has been for some of our, um, you know, um, you know, some of our businesses just, you know, terms and conditions and, and documents are just not their strong suit. And so a lot of it has been something that we've been able to work with um, those businesses and kind of identify the areas and help them formulate the questions to ask to their management. And I think progress has definitely been made in the one-on-one -on -one approaches, but um, we are trying to make sure that we protect it um, to at least stabilize it for a period of time. So if there are ideas that you um, can put down and share with us, 
that's what this forum is for. Um, you still have my email address. It's the same one, even though I'm only on the board. Um, but it's the same one that you have from yesteryear. So it's the Jay Bohegan at Foster City Chamber. And I'm sure Dan or Mara will put it in there for you. Um, we have Lena um, on the line from the Barbaria. And we have Danny and Teresa from Beach Park. We have Carol from the Dozo. And then we have Matthew. So each of you on this conversation, if anyone would like to lend some insights into potentially not necessarily the specifics of what it is that you are deriving from these conversations, but um, from the different centers, how have you been able to work with your management company? And are you seeing a collaboration and a willingness to partner with you? Who would like to start? Well, while you're thinking about that question, because I'm going to call on one of you, and she probably I, knows. There, see, I'll she. I'll do it. There so, you go, Lena. <clears throat> we are in the. Uh, I have a very bad uh, connection, so I apologize. We're in the Edgewater Shopping Center, and we are unfortunate in that our landlord is not budging an inch. So. Um, we have been um, offered some deferrals, but the main problem with the deferral is that when the salon will open again, um, which, side note, according to Gavin Newsom, is not going to happen for months, uh, quote unquote, um, that we will have a very large bill due. Uh, even if we go ahead and we calculated that we make the payments to pay the quote unquote back rent, um, that on top of the existing, the current rent is astronomical. And um, especially in our industry, and I think every industry is going to be affected, business will, will be, flow will be reduced for everybody. But in particular, in um, personal services industries, hair salons, nail, uh, nails, massage, uh, those types of things, chiropractic probably, um, those types of things, you're going to see a, a, a marked uh, reduction in client flow simply for safety purposes. Um, and so when we start wrapping our head around that and crunching numbers, we ask ourselves, how are we going to do this? Um, and we had thought, well, the PPP loan's coming. That's going to help. That hasn't come. Um, we thought, well, maybe there will be some sort of legislation where, you know, the government on, you know, whether it's the city, county, or state, or federal level can come in and say, hey, these small businesses don't have, it, it's just the money, it does not exist. The money does not exist. To, to do this, to pay these, bi these big back rents, especially the longer this goes on, right? And so we're just kind of like, you know, in shock, I think, at the moment that really there's nobody's coming to help us. And, you know, the negotiation part with the landlord in as far as like, oh, well, we'll knock $1,000 off here, 500 that's great. Thank you. Nice. Great. Whatever. But that does not help the fact that these big amounts of money are going to come due at some point. And there's no, there's no road for us. Um, and I hate to sound so dismal and, but it's the reality and we have to face the reality. So yeah. 
Yeah, no, Lena, I mean, that's, I mean, the purpose of this call is not pie in the sky, it's real, so we know where and how to concentrate. I mean, you know, we, we are doing what we can, but the before you were on the call, we were just talking about how, you know, originally we had thought that there would be some kind of strength in numbers and then the concern about accommodations that, you know, may get taken away if kind of the group. Um, and so one of the ideas that we were talking about and that I had learned about actually um, from one of the businesses in Edgewater was from an East Bay business and the accommodation was that a, a period of time that that management was willing to collect no monies and take the total of those monies and put it on the back end for the life of the lease very much like if you will a forbearance plan for a mortgage and we learned about that um, um, i've obviously um, been um, reaching out to try to get a couple of contracts from that particular center to see if there may be the ability to do that and those are the types of programs that we want to be able to put in 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 in, in place that comes from the other side and the other side being the city to give them the tools to say, look, everything you just said, Lena, which is to say, look, in this industry, in this industry, they're going to be fine. But in this industry and in that industry, we do not have the election to open up and without any income and with the requirement to maintain paying at the rate we are, there is no ability to recover. Um, and to create the argument and the business justification so that whether it's the city who we know is not you know, wanting to quote, put in ordinances, but I have offered that um, you know, I am willing to be at the table for a tenant and have invited our acting city manager to be at the table with me. The city in that conversation may not be able to actually say anything, <laughs> but if they were at least at the table, then that could be uh, something that we do. We know that certain of the businesses in the centers are holding far greater leaseholds and financial impacts than others. And I do not diminish, to me, this is not dollars. It's not about dollars. It's about the, the, the process. And so... Um, thank you for continuing to champion not only how and what it is that your industry needs, but to be kind of one of the, the um, ambassadors, if you will, to the entire center and tenants. Um, so we'll continue to work with you. The call this morning also in, reaffirmed that there needs to be um, better understanding of I'm going to call them, you know, some of you have heard me say right now I have to somewhat laugh. A chamber of commerce is deemed an, a non-essential service. Each of us, and it's not the chamber, each and every one of us is essential in this process. And each and every one of us are going to have a time and a place and a role. And I think um, where we have an opportunity is to start advocating for what we need for the county to start identifying as that second round of essential workers or to make accommodations for them. And I think the conversation this morning with uh, Sumantra and Eleanor about, you know, the caregivers and kind of moving from hospital to, you know, a nursery home as a different way to say, look, it's the same worker. It's just in a different 
environment, the work is as dangerous. And the flip side of what you're saying, Lena and Jason, is that you know you want to go back to work, but you're being prohibited to do so, and yet at the same time you're being required to pay for that same right. So I think that there's um, several types of industries or business types that are going to fall in under that, and um, we are willing. Um, I actually think that Jason and Lena, I don't know if you know each other. If you don't, I'm going to put the two of you together. And the reason being is my experience with Jason for the, I think the uh, eight years he was stuck with me in a different incarnation has proven to me that he is thoughtful, articulate, and knows how to champion for change. And if, um, I, if we can combine Jason and Lena, who has completely proven to me that she is fearless, I think we could probably get to a letter that would be thoughtful and the appropriate um, kind of frame and focus that the chamber could be behind, that we could get to our partners at SAMSITA, um, our business leadership council and our city council so that they can champion it as they need to. Um, and if you're willing to do that work and work with each other to create that letter, then we're happy to work with you to make that happen and to utilize it to the best of our abilities. No problem. I mean, the details and the data is not so much as important as just simply understanding that you actually have a management company that's willing to work with you. Um, and Lena is sadly experiencing uh, that she does not. Um, I want to go to Matthew. Um, Matthew, if you can take yourself off mute. I know you've been patient. And we keep missing each other here. Hello? Hello there. Hello? Hello. I can hear okay. you now. Okay. Um, I just wanted to share what we did at Peninsula Dance Academy about the grants and all that. So we applied early on for the economic injury loan, I think like March 22nd, like very, very early. So that, that, that went through the application. I haven't heard anything about that since. And then there was a $10,000 advance. I could never get that to go through. The website wasn't really working. And then the PPP, I got an application in via Wells Fargo on the second round. So I think that was, I can't even remember, early this week? I'm not sure. Uh, so I, we, we haven't received anything as of yet, and I'm sort of basically operating on the assumption that, that we won't get anything, just because it's just safer. So those are the, that's what we've done as far as the, the grant release. I know there are a lot of other programs that are coming out. Oh, and we applied for the San Mateo County. The application was accepted, and I don't know, how that fits into the numbers that you recited earlier on. I don't know if that means that it was included or. Yeah, yeah. So just quickly on that, Matthew, the San Mateo County Strong, if it was accepted, if the application is in, um, at least that establishes kind of where you are, um, for lack of a better term, in the queue. Um, but Foster City for the, for the $1 million dollars that is available for those small business grants. That means 100 grants in all of San Mateo County. Right. I believe that there are only about five of those that will be awarded to Foster City specific businesses. Oh. As more money is applied, 
then to that fund and eligible then the applications in the order in the queue line that they are we they will then be reviewed at that time but that one i i am going to say that one's um kind of a, a long shot um because yeah. right now it's it's only five and there were 2530 applications yeah okay so that uh, supports my sort of idea that i'm i'm just going ahead as far as um assuming we're not going to get anything so anyways, so that's that. And then as far as rent relief, um, pretty early on, I called, I'm at, we're at Beach Park uh, Plaza along with the Body Fitness. Uh, pretty early on, I said, look, uh, Kevin, I said, I said, this is going to get pretty bad. And I knew that it was going to get pretty bad. And so they actually voluntarily gave us a deduction on the base rent, which, which was nice. And then I, asked if we were going to have something like that again and then today i got an email from them saying no um but um, yeah it, it's actually not common um so it, it's an idea that some have been wanting and asking for but um i don't know anyone who's actually received it here it's an idea mm -hmm. um but it's i think it's one that meets especially with folks that have you know, several years remaining on their lease. Um, you know, it works out to be able to, if you're adding it to kind of the principal, if you will, you know, of your lease, mm -hmm. it works out to, um, you know, slight changes. Um, but again, it depends on, you know, how much more time you have remaining on your lease. Right. Yeah. And I, and I also got the impression from the emails that I don't, I don't think they know exactly what they're doing either. So, um, because they, you know, they're just trying to solve problems and not lose any money, which um, leads me to my kind of point that sort of ties these two together, the grant sort of our chasing of grant money and the sort of rent relief. I mean, so the idea here is that basically we're trying to get money from the government and give it to the, to the landlords, which I suppose makes the world go around, but doesn't make, doesn't make me feel like I'm really, not really very energized about it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really make me inspired uh, personally. Um, so that's just more of a commentary um, be because they're assuming that we're going to get grant money. And in fact, they say, well, if you don't get it, then make sure you have to prove that you don't get it. And we all know that we're the communication between the loan, the lenders and all these programs is basically, it's basically like, Hey, thanks for the application you know don't call us you know whatever so i mean no no communication is basically no and so how do you tell that you, you see what i'm saying we're, we're not i don't i don't anticipate getting anything from an agency that's not going to give you money to say hey guess what you're not getting it and then i forward that to the property management that because that's the, what they're going to want to see yeah i mean you you actually articulate kind of the supply chain if you will of this uh pandemic that so far has only been pieces of a puzzle and no one quite clear on what the picture is. Um, and so I would actually encourage you, it's, you're one of the first people who has actually articulated this connection. There's one other person on the call that has really understood this from the beginning. And part of what this call and, and we've 
we're, we're already kind of at time, part of what this call was intended to do, and I, I'd like to encourage everyone to think about it for the next time, we want to identify um, where and how we can help with your recovery. So um, I don't know if the chamber can um, meet the expectations of inspired or inspiring, but we are trying. And um, what we want to do is we know that we need to maintain the focus and efforts of what we've been doing um, over the course of the last weeks. But we also know that we need to change um, our focus we have been successful in staying ahead of the curve to kind of um, be more predictive on what it is that you need. And now it's um, because it was more about the, the totality of the issue. But now each of your individual or your, each of your interests are becoming much more individualized, but with each separate conversation we have, we're learning that there's connections. And if it's five here, six here, two here, we're willing to make them. If you can help us understand how you're going to be adapting the services for your businesses, or if you need help with adapting the service for your business, or if there is no way um, and the impact, not just because of the shelter in place, but the services that you provide. I mean, like Jason, I'm kind of looking at the green screen just because it's um, so obvious. You know, um, you're looking to say, okay, I might not be able to bring my kids together in this class. How do I do this? And you're having the ability to invest and move to a different, if you will, format. Um, you know, but Lena um, from, you know, personal services and, 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 uh, you know, hair and nails, I'm not quite sure, you know, what that's going to look like. And so maybe the need for her business is more about advocating for accommodations um, in the face of not being allowed and articulating that supply chain <laughs> that's connected to her inability to earn an income. And Matthew, maybe that's a little bit, you find yourself maybe a little bit in between that you end up working with us on kind of that advocacy piece, right? What are the actual asks um, mm -hmm. as well as is there a way to adapt your programming and to leverage the partners in the community? Um, I see right now fitness, dance, health and beauty. Um, imagine if we create you know, our own B2B networks where you are each finding a way to share the services that you're making available. I, I don't know. We just, yeah. part of these calls are thinking out loud um, and talking and seeing the looks on your faces as you're thinking about things. But our focus is going to be what do we need to be doing with you and or on your behalf to address what's coming in the next 30 and 60 days. And we are happy to take your emails, but that's the purpose of these calls. We've been getting asked as well if we're willing to partition these calls even further. So I don't know if there is value in having a real estate, kind of commercial real estate leasing, you know, uh, expert with us to have specific calls with each, you know, to, to hold a Zoom call on that. 
um, or to hold a Zoom call for all of the personal services workers or the independent contractors. Um, you tell us um, and we will do what we can to deliver on those things. I have a question. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Oh. Are the commercial uh, landlords, are they getting any kind of relief? Well, the commercial landlord has the same opportunity to apply for relief that any business does. And so some of the thinking, and I'm sure Lena will kind of chime in, you know, really the thinking of many of us at the start was, well, the accommodations that can be made from that commercial management company, um, you know, if they're foregoing revenue, that owner, right, that landlord, that owner could, you know, include um, those monies potentially as part of their economic injury disaster loan application. Um, and I think the hope, right or wrong, um, but I will use that since you used the word inspired, the hope was that, you know, the management and the owners would say, look, let us aggregate this need and take the burden off of our small businesses to safeguard our businesses and community. And again, suffice it to say, the response of that willingness to partner versus simply be a, um, uh, a contractual relationship where accommodations may be made has been a different experience um, for the different tenants in the different centers to date. So to your specific question, chances are um, those owners have probably incorporated huge economic injury in their applications, anticipating that they're not going to get paid, but because they don't have any assurances, are not willing to, if you will, um, accommodate, um, you know, waiving those fees that are due in case. Interesting. Okay. I have a question, Joanne. Uh, this is Eleanor, if I may. Yes, absolutely. Um, the question is, are some of these businesses insured for this kind of thing, for lease problems, and are the insurance companies helping out? Um, I, I ask that for a particular reason for some of the things that we're doing. So again, not an expert, um, but what we have come to understand is, so what you're referring to is largely business interruption insurance. I think that's what it's often um, classified as. And what we have been learning from many, and again, it's, you know, again, just what we have been learning from, from various tenants is that um, one of the exclusions, express exclusions, that they have been finding in their business interruption insurance policies is the word virus. And we were even surprised um, by two that had actually said that coronavirus was included in, thus making that insurance if you will, not something that is uh, eligible. So what one of the reasons that we had been looking um, and asking for um, to get some uh, uh, 
illustrative leases from other tenants was to be able to see what other clauses may be contained. I keep calling it an opportunity clause, but it's not the opportunity clause. But there may very well be a clause in uh, leases that in large part speak to the issues that have been raised here, which is businesses who wish to be open and are capable of providing service, but being precluded or prohibited from doing so, not because of force majeure, right? The act of God, the pandemic, the health uh, piece of this is not what is causing it. Now, as we reopen the state, there are, are humans, if you will, intervening with their ability to do their business. And so there may, again, not the expert, may be the opportunity to leverage a clause that might be in certain leases to find a bit of a loophole. And that was why I've been asking certain of our businesses that have come to know me well to trust me with um, you know, redacted copies of their leases to see if I can slide through and find them. And then if I can, then I would turn it over to an expert and say, hey, we may have an opportunity here. Um, is this something that we can, you know, um, get educated on and potentially use? Sometimes the um, the language is ambiguous enough when it uh, refers to disaster that you can win on this. Uh, I know that uh, for a fact. So I'm just um, imparting that information. I would also, uh, when we get to that, I would like to speak a little bit about the videos that we're making for the schools uh, and trying to educate them on health, wellness, and also education. Uh, I mean, I have something that's called eKids that uh, I really would like to share with Dan Dammers, actually, and anyone else who's interested to uh, finish a lot of these things up and get them out to the schools. I think especially Winnie from the Foster City School District is very interested in actually putting them online for the kids. And we have had uh, two of them online already. Uh, so that's a good thing, but I do have, I have a lot of material. If anyone is interested in working with me uh, to get this out there, please let me know. I, I have an amazing amount of material. So, so, so let's do this if we can. I know we're actually technically like 10 minutes over. We're here um, if you guys want to continue, but I also want to be very um, uh, appreciative of everyone's time. For those of you that need to you know, kind of cut out, please feel free to do so. I think we've got about 15 more minutes. I'm kind of looking here as far as we can push it. Um, but Eleanor, I think that conversation with Dan and with Colleen, who um, uh, from the Education Foundation. So if yes. we can understand the content that you have available, so perhaps that's a conversation for Dan and I and Mara with you, understand the content, then what we can do is we can facilitate introductions to those we know um, to, that would be able to utilize that with you. I'd like to drop off. I'd like to drop off to both uh, Dan and to you. I'll just put it in your mailboxes. Uh, what it actually looks like, 
and you will have some kind of idea of how far along we are and what the content actually is. So I think this would be very, uh, could be very helpful uh, according to how people might want to interface or interact with us. That's great. Um, we have your email, but if you want to just drop it to Dan right now, I can see him. He's already chomping at the bit. Um, he'll, he'll be like, um, you know, shoot it here, but we do have that, Dan. So yes, we we're, we're good. And I'll reach out separately, Eleanor. Thank you so much. Good. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, so what do we want to do, ladies and gentlemen? Should we close here with um, the asks of what kind of just recap where I think that there's opportunities and the next set of to do's forever for uh, all of us. Yeah. I think what we can do is um, any of the nonprofit individuals, if they want to go ahead and drop off, I know that Lena wants to discuss a few other things uh, with maybe some of the other uh, small business owners. Um, so I want to make sure we give her a chance to discuss some of the things to circle back on. Perfect. Is now okay. Uh, then Sumatra, thanks for joining us and we'll follow up with you, Sumatra, at another time with Eleanor and we'll get you connected on that as well, okay? All right, Lena. Hi, thanks. Um, I just wanted to, uh, if there are any other, um, I guess specifically uh, beauty industry uh, people on the line, um, nails, aesthetics, uh, hair, other hair salons, um, so with the, the latest government order, um, the extension to May 31st, and then Governor Newsom's four-phase plan uh, that he uh, put out, I believe, what, two days ago? Um, maybe three, uh, where he said that um, we were currently in phase one, we would be going into phase two within quote-unquote weeks, and that would include opening additional businesses such as you know, uh, manufacturing and daycares, um, and then uh, phase three would be in months, and that would include things such as salons. Um, we are going to be pushing back. I am collecting a group of salon, larger salon owners in the Bay Area. Um, we are pooling our resources. I'm happy to include anybody else who wants to also help contribute. Um, we will do this together. It won't just be one person doing it for all, but we will do this together and contribute um, to it. And we are going to be putting together something that explains um, two things. Number one is when we do open up, the government is going to have guidelines, whether it be at the county or the state level, um, and maybe even the city, I'm not sure. Um, and so when that does happen, uh, they're going to make up guidelines for our businesses. And we need a seat at the table because not many of them understand how our businesses run and what our needs are as a business. And so it's very important that either one or more comes as an advocate for us and says, hey, when you put these guidelines together, let me, let me participate. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, is that um, we are coming up with a document and I'm actually getting the help of somebody who has a background um, at uh, EHS and OSHA um, to put the document together that we want to send out to the counties and as well to the state um, that says, look, these are the things that we plan to do when we open. Uh, these are the, you know, we are licensed professionals by the state of California. We have been trained in sanitation. Um, and these are the things that we're going to do to mitigate the risk. Is there gonna be zero risk? No. 
But if you're willing to open up a daycare that by OSHA guidelines is considered high risk first and not a salon, which by OSHA standards is considered medium risk, then let's talk about this and figure out how we can't get uh, salons, spas, and things like that, massage uh, therapy up and running quicker. Um, especially with the uh, COVID-19 statistics in the county, um, it can be done and it can be done uh, safe, safer um, with lower risk. And so that's kind of what we're working on. And I wanted to say that here, if anybody is on the line and wants to participate, they can reach out to me. So Lena, before you joined and on the call this morning, uh, I literally anticipated that this is what you were going to be telling us. Oh, sorry. No, okay. no, no. It's, it's actually perfect. I'm a little concerned that we're starting to mind meld, but okay. Um, and so what we want to do is we want to take the letter that you have and we want to champion it with you. Um, and then we do, um, we do have the ability to go through our business license list and um, reach out um, to those that are in those categories. We can see if we can get that level of detail. Um, a lot of them are just sometimes they, when they do their license, they only say, you know, professional services and it doesn't necessarily classify, but I am kind of looking at Mara's face right now and I can literally as I can see her cycling through, in particular, the members um, that we know that would be in that category with you that would absolutely love to be a part of this with you. And so if you can get me something that we can then share and connect the dots, you'll have the lead. You can be that chamber ambassador champion on this one, as well as what you're doing for yourself. And then what we can do is we can do a letter of support behind it. We can then um, help. You can take your channel and then we can take our channels and we can continue to champion those. So if you would like our help with that, that's, I think, the, the way in which we can help you. Yeah, that would be great. And I'll um, talk to you. Uh, I can talk to you offline about details of logistics. And we're actually having the EHS. Um, person write it. So um, I will be dependent on them for deadlines, but I would definitely love to just extend out to whoever's interested. To, to how, how do you feel? How do you feel about us convening a, a personal services roundtable and inviting your EHNS um, person to join that call and for you to share if you will, the advocacy and the effort that you're going to be moving forward and call for support. I, that should work. Let me, um, let me of course ask him, um, but he's, he should be willing to do it. Okay. Why don't yeah. you take that piece and once you know, come back to okay. us and we will structure a supporting structure or we'll, we'll figure out the way in which to support your efforts the best we can. Great. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks. You got it. Um, Anything more? The gang at United Studios had their hand up too. Sorry. Hi, Jason. Just a quick comment back on the leasing idea. You know, the, the commercial centers are setting themselves up to have to release property in a down economy. And they're not going to get the same rates they're getting now in three, six, or 12 months. And additionally, uh, what businesses are going to restart up? 
who's going to have money? I mean, I think that it's really uh, in the basis of self-interest that we need to approach any negotiations with the with the commercial people, and that can apply across the board. So, uh, I'll I'll send you a letter, Joanne, that I have with all these thoughts, I guess, and then you can obviously do what you do best, which is figure out how to plug that into where it needs to go. But that is ubiquitous and universal to any any uh, business that uh, leases commercial space in Boston City. Uh, if you give it teeth with the city's, the city's power to regulate business has always been in its ability to grant licensing. And so if there's a, a even just an informal policy statement on city letterhead that could accompany that sort of, uh, uh, you know, what's in it for you to renegotiate these leases. Because ideally, anyone that's in a, a, a lease situation right now where they can't operate their business are not getting the full value of their, of their lease investment. And it's through no fault of anybody else's, but instead of all these defaults, which are then will have to be refilled in this potentially economically uncertain time in the future, you know, you don't have to be a Nobel laureate in economics to figure out that they're probably going to get less per square foot than they are now. Uh, that, I think, is the way to, uh, to incentivize renegotiation and, and cooperation rather than, um, you know, you know, F you pay me, like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And we're going to use ourselves as that illustration to prove the points you just raised. I reached out to our management company. The chamber's office is in um, a mixed use building. We are in a retail tenant space. Um, we have learned that different accommodations have been getting made um, with those who have not been paying. Um, and I was curious because I reached out proactively to give them the courtesy to let them know that we will be coming to them in two weeks um, because we did pay our rent. Right. And we're going to be coming to them in two weeks because the terms of our lease, the one that I can see all the gory details, expires in one year. And we need to have a thoughtful conversation about um, what that's going to mean. And he's like, well, I'm sure we can get a discount. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I need you to start thinking like a business professional because I said the individual on my board is going to be all about should the chamber of commerce be expending monies. We do not get any money from the city. There's not $1 that comes from the city to the chamber. We have opened up our enrollment. The impact to us, the only way we make revenue is dues and non-dues we've opened up our enrollment we are not actively invoicing if you can pay you're paying but that's not our priority is to send you a bill at your time of need and city fest has just been obliterated then we'll be communicating that that is three hundred thousand dollars that is our operating budget so as a business who is a 501c6, none of the relief programs we are eligible for. So the reason we're in this with you is because we're not sitting here in a great place. We understand just how scrappy we all have to be. So I went to them and said, look, you have the opportunity here to partner with us. I don't know if by the time we are to renegotiate our lease because they only do it 90 days in advance. Um, and we happen to have a five year extension that's at our election. I said, 
we're going to have to look at the most critical time and make a decision as to whether or not any monies that we as an organization have been able to recover and what is the highest value spend of those dollars. Right. We have one member of staff. Clearly we've become, I hope, well, I'm not going to say, hopefully we've become a valued partner <laughs> um, or reminded what a valued partner this organization can be and a presence is going to be required. But is it going to be required at the level and cost that is outlined in, right, monthly <laughs> lease going forward? And if that's the case, you are going to have an empty suite at a time where no small business is going to have the money to come in and basically build out a space and be willing to commit. So thank you for pointing out what you did because I did that yesterday. And I said, we'll see you on May 16th because on May 16th, when our board meets, we will have our budget and we will have to let them know that our lease is coming due in a year and we would be remiss if we do not take that into account. So your point, Jason, is very well taken about the blighting. And I know you have extreme sensitivities about this because of Charter Square, you know, 2.0. Um, this is a very real possibility in some of the centers that do not have cooperative partners um, in their management. And unfortunately, that could be some of the um, impetus behind actions being taken our actions not being taken. So thank you for that. I know you're on it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. Um, Joanne, I'm, just before you go, <laughs> I don't like to have the last word, but you know, this you, is way. This is every single meeting. You have taken the last word. People <laughs> love this about you. But but here, this is important, and you've probably thought about this already, right? But, you know, there's so much building going on in this town, right? So much building everywhere, everywhere. Why can't the uh, council make it so that whatever new building is going up, there is a place for nonprofits first out the gate would be the chamber so that there could be like low cost housing for us or is that, you know, some such thing as that. Uh, but they should honor the, um, the 501c3s, 501c4s, 501c6s. They should honor that so that you can continue serving. Because as you said, what you're doing is extremely valuable. It is not a business per se. It is a business helping businesses. And this is something that we all should fight for. Um, and what do we do to make that possible? I mean, I throw it out to you because you probably have been thinking about this. So I, I think, I don't know how close up I am, but you probably, um, A, thank you for those comments. Um, suffice it to say the chamber has not really had anyone fighting for it for a very long time. We hope and trust and believe that what we have been doing, because um, we're not actually doing anything new. 
Um, we're doing a whole lot more of it because of the intensity of the situation, but this is who we are. This is how we have operated. And I think throughout the years and throughout time, uh, membership has ebbed and flowed and the value and role has been uh, challenged and questioned. We hope that when we are all through this, because that's what we believe, that we are going to all get through this, that we hope that when it's time for someone to champion us, that you're all there to do so. But for now, we're gonna keep doing what we're doing. You have, Eleanor, so many relationships. You have the ability to get straight to the city council, to electeds. What we have learned and what we are hugely proud of um, is that for those that have been working in this pandemic across the 21 cities in our county, um, we really have been recognized for the way in which we are just willing to jump in. And um, it's just nice for a change um, for that to be recognized. And it's just, I know that Dan and Mara, the three of us, I mean, we've been the three musketeers for a long time, but I think this one, it's the three musketeers in the bunker. Um, and so it's, it's, we appreciate the comments and, and the support. It means a lot. Always, always. So with that, I am going to give you the last word. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, United Studios, it's awesome to see you again. And, um, you know, sometimes catastrophes bring out the best and the worst. And I'd like to think that we've got some really good times um, ahead. So we'll look for your thoughts. We'll look for your comments. Matthew, thanks for joining us. Um, and as always from Dan, Mara and me, be safe and stay in the best spirits. We'll see you soon. Thanks. <laughs>